celebrating classics and creating new ones. Only on the Music Vibes Podcast. Now, here's your host, DC Hendrix. And welcome back. Celebrating classics and creating new ones right here on the Music Vibes Podcast. I am your host, DC Hendrix. Really feels good to be back with another edition here as today we have a lot to celebrate as we have surpassed another decade. And not only that, we have an artist to celebrate being named artist of the decade by Billboard. The top honor to be named. You got the one and only hip hop artist Drake officially named the 2010s artist of the decade. I'm going to be joined by Billboard's own Andrew Utnerberger. He's the deputy editor. And I'm also going to be joined by who's in charge of all the live concerts with Billboard. That is the one and only good friend of the show, Mr. Dave Brooks, ladies and gentlemen. They're both going to be joining here to kind of reflect on the decade that was and the decade that was owned by Drake. Let me tell you something. Actors don't rap. Rappers don't sing. Rappers don't come from Canada. Where the fuck is Canada? I'm supposed to believe in this light skin, R&B face, crying on every song. Does he even write his own songs? Does he write his own songs? Write his own songs? I promise you, this is never gonna work. This is never gonna last. Even if he had a cosign, even if Lil Wayne cosigned, it doesn't even matter. Okay, best I ever had was a cute one, but he needs another one. Nah, another one. Nah, f- that. You know what? Okay, he did it, but can he do it again? No, again. No, again. No, again. You know what? He's just a lucky guy. Are we sure it's luck? Nine number one albums. Six number one songs. A record 232 songs on the Billboard charts. 45 top 10 chart positions, the most of any artist ever. Are we sure it's luck? The first artist to debut at number one, two, and three simultaneously. More weeks on the Hot 100 than Elvis Presley, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson. Most streamed artists of all time. 13 Billboard Awards, the most ever in one night. 27 total Billboard Awards, the most wins in music history. A record 431 weeks on Hot 100. Luck is defined as success or failure apparently brought by chance rather than through one's own action. This is far from chance. This is purposeful choices, selfless gestures, relentless hours, and a whole lot of good karma. This is clinical, surgical, militant. Even when they don't want to compete anymore, you find someone to challenge every single time, even if that someone is yourself. It's not luck, my good friends. It's certain destiny. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor to present the artist of the decade to the leader of our family, Drake.
Um, thank you very, 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 very much. That, uh, that, video was, um, that video was really full of a lot of confidence and bravado, but uh, you know, the truth is I'm really bad at, at taking compliments. You know, I'm, uh, thank you. <laughs> I'll take that one though, thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'm really, um, I'm really self-conscious about my music, and um, even if I do a good job, I always wonder, you know, how I could have done it better. I rarely celebrate anything, and um, just for anyone watching this that's wondering how this happened, you know, that's really the answer. It's, um, it's being so unsure how you're getting it done that you just, you just kind of keep going in the hopes of figuring out the formula. Um, just feeling so lucky and blessed that the fear of losing it keeps you up at night. I didn't really write a grandiose speech about how to make it work or what it took, because, you know, to be really honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand it myself, but uh, <laughs> um, I just know. <laughs> I just know that I've, uh, I know that I've spent an incalculable amount of hours trying to analyze all the things I did wrong, but Tonight, for once, I'm sure as hell we did something right. So. <laughs> I want to I wanna dedicate this award to my friends. I want to uh, dedicate this award to my longtime collaborators. <laughs> I want to dedicate this award to all my peers. Uh, all of your decisions and the music you make really does have me tossing and turning at night trying to figure out what I should do next. So thank you. Um, to my beautiful family. And hey, wait, wait, wait. wait. And to you, I want to dedicate this award to you. <laughs> now, Billboard also, for the first time, revealed the rest of the list that cracked the top 10 for Billboard's top artists of the 2010s. Now, obviously, Drake being number one, you got some other artists, obviously, that rivaled this decision, but you obviously have other artists that rivaled this decision. So at number one, you got Drake. Number two, you got Taylor Swift. Number three is Bruno Mars. Number four is Rihanna. Number five is Adele. Number six, Ed Sheeran. Number seven, Justin Bieber. Number eight, Katy Perry. Number nine, Maroon 5. And rounding out the top 10, the best artist of the 2010s, Post Malone. Andrew Edna is going to be joining us in a few moments to start with the charts talk, as obviously Drake owned the charts and has owned the Billboard Music Awards. He holds the title for the most Billboard Music Awards of all time. With 27 taking home 12 prizes in 2019. So before we even bring Andrew or Dave on, I kind of want to travel back quickly through the 2010s with Drake and kind of reflect why he has been named the artist of the decade. So we'll start in 2010 when he released the album. Thank me later. Young money, cash money running the game back then. Of course, he had the songs with Lil Wayne. He had the song with Nicki Minaj, Alicia Keys. Great way to start the decade in 2010. He continued that dominance in 2011 with Take Care. Be 
Yeah, yep, I know. I remember the album. He had Rihanna on it, Kendrick Lamar. He had Nicki Minaj again, Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Andre 3000. Once again, Drake does it. So took 2012 off for the most part, but 2013 comes back with nothing was the same. Not many cameos on this one, but he did get Janae Aiko, Jay-Z, and 2 Chains and Big Sean all on Nothing Was The Same in 2013. Comes back in 2015 with, if you're reading this, it's too late. Got Jungle, you got Running Through The Six, got Madonna, there's just hits all the way throughout this. I mean, we're still, we're only halfway through the decade. Still in 2015, you got the joint album with Future, What A Time To Be Alive. Hits after hits. Comes back in 2016 with views you used to call me on my cell phone late night when you need my love call me on my cell phone late night when you need my love and i know when that outline blink that can only mean one thing i know when that A lot of radio hits on that controller, one dance, of course, hotline bling. I'm telling you, pretty easy to tell why he's already artist of the decade. That's only 2016. We're just over halfway through the decade. 2017, more life. In 2018, a lot of people's favorite and most recent favorite of Drake's, including songs like God's Plan, In My Feelings, and Nice For What, you got the album Scorpion. I don't want to die for them to miss me. Yes, I see the things that they wishing on me. And then caps off the decade pretty much in 2019 and releases a whole bunch of songs, basically a compilation of songs that he released or did throughout the 2010s that were not already on streaming services. And he called that compilation album Care Package. Yes, and on this, he had J. Cole, Rick Ross, Beyonce, and man, if you're a Drake fan, you remember a lot of those songs that came from Care Package as well, but that pretty much summarizes the 2010s from Drake. He owned it. We just traveled through all those albums, so many songs. Now it's time to dig a little bit deeper and find out why Billboard chose Drake as the artist of the decade. Hello, is this Andrew Utnerberger? Yeah, this is Andrew. Hey, Andrew, it's DC Andrews. How you doing? Doing all right, DC, man. It's good to talk to you. It is good to talk to you as well. It's been a couple years since the last time I yeah. had you on. I was, I yeah, was hoping you to... remember me. I know 2020 was about 10 years long. Uh, yeah, I was trying to remember when and what did you... I remember talking to you, but I don't even remember what we were talking about. Yeah, it seems, it seems so long ago. Um, yeah. I don't remember either, but I remember I had you on. <laughs> so we do know what we're bringing you on this time for. So, of course, yes, and billboards all over, all things in music, and you guys announced... On, I think it was just last week. I think you announced mm -hmm. um, that Drake is the artist of the decade. Now it's weird to even think that we've surpassed another decade. First of all, as yes, the end of 2020 was the end of the last decade, of course. And you guys named Drake the top artist. First of all, let's start there. You know exactly the criteria that you guys used in order to come up with the artist of the decade. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not part of the official. Uh, you know. 
I, I don't I don't have access to the, to the secret sauce there, so I, I couldn't tell you the exact calculations or anything. But it's generally a, you know, it's, it's taken from the charts over the course of the the, the 2010s. Uh, I think the the, the single chart, the Hot 100, uh, the album chart, the Billboard 200, and I, I think they, they also uh, use the the Social 100 to kind of tabulate the fan interest as well. Uh, and it's yeah, it, it's sort of a testament to Drake's both uh, both his longevity in, in terms of just sort of dominating the entire decade, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the sort of incredible volume that he, that he was able to put up on the charts. You know, a, a late or rather early uh, last year, he broke the record for all time entries on the Hot 100 with uh, with over you know, well over 200 at this point. Wow! Uh, and that's basically all in on, all in that decade for the most part, aside from a couple uh, at the end of the, at the aughts and a couple at the beginning of last year, but. Uh, uh, and, and also just uh, the size of the hits, you know, I think he had, uh, I think he had four number ones over the course of the, the 2010s and countless mm. more top tens. He also set the right, he was, uh, he blew the record last year for most top 10 hits too, beating Donna. Uh, so just, uh, just incredible numbers that he was putting up uh, basically from the beginning of the decade to the end. So, or so the decade seems uh, some, you know, pretty easy to fall in line from there. So I, th- I think I read this and you can correct me. I'm sure you know this, but so he, he holds the title, correct? For the most BBMAs. Yeah, I believe he broke that. Uh, well, uh, actually, I can't remember if that was uh, if that was a single year achievement or if a, a total achievement. But he, he certainly has been inordinately successful at the BBMAs too, and uh, you know he continues to, to show up at the awards even as his, his relationship with the Grammys gets kind of contentious. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he and the BBMAs are a little bit more simpatico. I think uh, I think he respects that it's sort of a, a, an award given purely by the numbers, and that it's not. Uh, there's no industry uh, chicanery that goes into it, and there's no sort of behind-the-scenes machinations of play. It's just uh, he, he performed the best, and so he wins all the awards. If, if this past decade wasn't enough, he's going in to the 2020s uh, off to a great a great start as well. So just kind of talking about – so Billboard for the – I think this was the first time um, that you guys released also not only number one, but you released an entire top ten artist of the 2010s. Is that mm-hmm. correct? And if you, if you do remember – if you off, off the top of your head, if you remember who's on that list, but you guys for the first time have two through ten as well on the top artists of 2010s. Yeah, you know, Taylor Swift obviously did very well on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Post Malone was, was, he was you know, he was featured on it, even though he's sort of a you know he, he's a he's a he was a pretty late comer as far as the as far as the 2010s go. He was uh, yeah you know, he he only really broke out in 2015 2016, but he was just putting up such incredible numbers. Uh, for the uh, you know for, for for those four or five years in that point that he was uh, he, he was he was appearing a lot better than some of the stars that have been around since the beginning of the decade, which is pretty impressive. Absolutely, yeah. Just talking about some of the other names that are also in the top ten, you know, people that a lot of you know you look at the list of you know top artists of 2010. A couple other artists come to mind that I'm sure you know would come close. So out of these artists that I named to you, who do you think comes the closest to I guess rivaling Drake? for his top mm-hmm. artist of the decade award. So obviously you mentioned Taylor Swift. I would throw in Bruno Mars in that conversation. Sure. Obviously Justin Bieber, Ed Sheeran, and obviously Rihanna I think would be in that discussion as well. But who do you think rivals Drake the most in order of you know being the top artist of the decade? Well, it sort of depends on how you define it. If you define it uh, in terms of just sort of total blanketing the decade in terms of – impact and albums and songs and and sort of driving discussion and and just you know and putting up numbers all, all the while while doing it i think taylor swift is probably as close as competition i see that you know she, she she finished number two on the list just behind him uh and you know they're the sort of two they're the artists that kind of always had their fingers on the pulse they, they were always 
in the mix. They never went too, too long in between releases, and, and, and they never really dipped in popularity over the course of the decade. Uh, same, you, you could say with a lot of these people, too, Bruno Mars, Rihanna, Dell, and Ed Sheeran, that they all, you know, they, they, they all were consistently popular throughout the 2010s, too, but they just didn't really have the volume to compete with those other two artists. You know, Bruno Mars would take, you know, three or four years in between albums. Adele only released two albums the entire decade. Rihanna, we haven't really heard much from her since 2016. So uh, Drake just doesn't really take years off like that, even years where he doesn't have an album out and he hasn't an album out most years. But when he doesn't, he's, he's still showing up on features. He's still, you know, dropping Lucy's. He's still putting out two or three song packs here and there. He's, he's always going to make his impact felt on, on the charts and on the culture. So that's why he sort of stands alone and, and Taylor Swift is sort of, sort of right neck and neck with him there uh, in, in terms of just, just kind of blanket impact on the 2010s, you know, across the board. Yeah, and Drake's victory on Billboard's Top Artist of the 2010s chart follows, of course, Eminem, who was named the Artist of the Decade of the 2000s. And I believe I read that Mariah Carey was the champion of the 90s. So Drake in some big, filling some huge shoes and stepping in some big category here with Artist of the Decade. So you, um, I, I know you do multiple different things at Billboard and are, are involved with different things. So explain to us exactly your role at Billboard. Uh, I'm uh, the technical title is deputy editor on the digital side. I, I basically, I, you know, I, I do a lot of writing and I do a lot of editing of the features that go up on the website. And I do a lot of kind of, uh, our, I do a lot of our sort of editorial facing work with the charts. So, you know, the charts department will come up with stories about, uh, you know, what's actually going on on the charts. And, I, and it's sort of my job and, and on top of some of the people I work with to, uh, mm-hmm. to kind of interpret those, those stories and, and, and uh, you know, sort of make sense out of the numbers and say, okay, here's what's happening, but here's why that's happening too. You know, here's why this song debuted at number one. Here's why there's more debuts in the top 10 this year than there were last year. Here's why, uh, you know, album sales are down across the board for the year. So mm. I, I, I do a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I imagine, you know, since you agreed to come on the podcast, it, either it's two sides, either you're a Drake fan or kind of like Drake or you absolutely despise him. So whichever, <laughs> whichever reason you, you chose to come on, um, I, I give you the floor. So your personal taste and your personal opinion on Drake and why you think, you know, he ended up, you know, taking this title other than just charts. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I love Drake. I, I've been a, a Drake fan, you know, not, not since like, I, I, I can't say I quite go back to like the early mixtapes and when he was coming <laughs> up as a, as a comedian sensation or anything like that. I, I, I sort of came on board where, where a lot of people did with, uh, with so far gone and best that I ever had at the end of the aughts or best I ever had at the end of the aughts. And then, and, you know, he was a, he was a pretty fresh voice at the time. Uh, he, you know, it, it was still a time, you know, we were coming out of the sort of 50 cent era and coming out of mm-hmm. uh, the snap era and, and, and a lot of, a, a lot of, you know, music that wasn't quite as either it wasn't as melodic or it wasn't as emotional or it wasn't, uh, you know, some, some artists had already started to blend uh, hip hop and R and B to a certain extent. Uh, his, his mentor, Lil Wayne did some of that too. Kanye did it with it. It's a heartbreak. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't like he invented singing while also being a rapper, but he had sort of found the midpoint of, of those two things in a way that you have few, if anyone, if any of them had done quite before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was able to kind of speak on, uh, on, 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 on sort of very relatable terms to, to an entire generation basically. And, you know, he, uh, he 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 made hip hop into you know both R and B and just into pop music in general and and you know when he when he rose to power and the next kind of the biggest artist of the of, of that era he, he sort of helped define what, what what that generation was and sort of the the kind of oversharey aspects of it the the sort of uh, you know immediate reactions and uh, the, you know, he he made 
he made music videos that that popped off on Twitter and sort of you know he embraced meme culture in a certain extent and he, he was able to kind of figure out what what to give his fan base so that uh, that they would they would always keep coming back for him and he, he was able to do it while both kind of maintaining you know a certain degree of street cred I mean he he wasn't uh, you know again he wasn't Fifty Cent he didn't have that sort of hard scrabble background and you know, he kind of came up against uh, you know some, some tougher rappers over the course of his career some sort of more conventional. Uh, like like rappers who took a more con- a conventional hip hop path, like uh, mm-hmm. T or uh, you know, Meek Mill in the begin- in the middle of the decade, and they sort of questioned his credibility and they sort of questioned his toughness. But he was always able to kind of just kind of point at the the scoreboard and say like, "Look, man, I, I'm putting up the numbers. You, you can't really deny that." And he also he never totally crossed over to pop in a way that felt like he was sort of leaving his roots behind. You know, he didn't take features with you know. I'm, I'm sure he got a million opportunities to oh you want to you want to do the you know, verse on a Katy Perry song you want to mm-hmm. want to show up on this Jesse J single something like that. <laughs> he never really did that. He kind of kept it pretty real throughout the course of his rise to stardom. And you know, when he when he did do collaborations, they were with kind of up and coming rappers, you know, folks that he helped put on like uh, like like Lil Baby or, or Blockboy JB or even like early, earlier in their careers, he gave really big looks to to J Cole and Kendrick Lamar, yeah. and all these folks ended up being I mean, some of them bigger than others, but a lot of them ended up being the biggest rappers of that era too. And he, he sort of you know he got criticized for maybe kind of like uh, biting their styles a little bit, but he also gave them a huge signal boost and helped them kind of find their own audiences on a, on, a, on a massive scale. Uh, and he just makes great songs. He's he's, he's a he's a great mm-hmm. lyricist, or he works with people who help help him write great lyrics. Uh, he has a really really distinctive sound that he helped develop with uh, with with his go to producer Forty and a bunch of other dudes in his camp. Uh, he he connects on both an emotional level, on a visceral level. He 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 works on the charts. He works on radio. He works in the club. He works you know on headphones in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he really kind of was able to be all things to all people in this last decade, and and it shows in the numbers. Absolutely. And speaking of songs and numbers, you know, you go back to the 2010s, you got Thank Me Later, you got Take Care, Nothing Was the Same. We'll talk albums in a second, but I want to focus on songs. So obviously, mm-hmm. I think Hotline Bling was the the pop record, I think, that we can summarize for the decade for Drake. I mean, the album uh, he did with Future was huge. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what a Time to Be Alive. You got the album, um, like I said, Take Care. He did the song with Rihanna with the self-titled song. So if you're talking about specific songs that you think kind of summarize Drake's decade, if you were to give me some essential songs on why that kind of solidified Drake being the top artist of the decade, what do you think they would be? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, uh, you know, we did a project at the, the end of the, the 2010s called the songs that define the decade. We, we kind of hammered down on, on this question for some of the biggest artists. We said, okay, well, what was the song that really defined what their decade was and, and sort of helped them define the culture? The one we picked for Drake was Marvin's Room, which was, uh, it was it was kind of, I can't remember if it was a leak or a one-off release in 2011, uh, and it wasn't really supposed to be a big deal. It was it, it kind of had this sort of stream of consciousness feel to it. It was it was very much presented as a drunk dial of a pop song, uh, and it had this sort of confessional nature to it, and it felt very kind of almost embarrassing in, in, in the way it overshared in his details and his emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took off in a way that I don't think anyone could have predicted at the time. This was still at a time when. You know, kind of radio was paramount in terms of driving hits, and you had you know these massive hits from you know, Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift, and 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 rappers like Lil Wayne, and 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 it, it wasn't a time where you had these kind of viral like internet sensation songs that that really became part of the culture. But Marvin's Room did; it, it really mm-hmm. took off with the fans, and it took off on Twitter, and 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 other artists started to cover it, put their own spins on it, 
And it really became kind of a defining hit of that moment, even if it didn't necessarily have the same sort of chart impact as uh, some of the other uh, you know, hits of that time. But that, that, was, that was definitely a big one. Uh, and then, you, you know, you mentioned Hotline Bling. I think you, you, do have to, you do have to kind of cite that as one of his you know, most impactful songs of the decade. And it also sort of, sort of took a similar path where it was just one of a, one of a handful of, 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 of loose one-off tracks that he, that he had released that year in 2015. And it had sort of, you know, it, it, it didn't seem necessarily like it was going to be the biggest song in the world, <laughs> but it, it kind of snowballed the momentum. And then eventually it, it sort of hit this mass consumption point. And again, like he, he had, a, he had a music video that sort of took advantage of, the, of some of the songs, goofier aspects. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it had this incredible chorus that, that sort of weaved into the verses and back out again. It, 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 it was, a, it was an unconventional pop song, but it was a brilliant pop song. And it, it was a sort of song that you could just kind of, toss up casually in between albums. And that was the same year that he also had, uh, you know, he kind of had his biggest success in the, in the complete other direction with a, if you're reading, this is too late. Uh, and, and know yourself, I think in particular is, is another song that sort of shows, you know, the sort of unconventional uh, path to success. Some of the songs have where the song that, you know, it's very, very, you know, low and slow and, and not doesn't have like a major chorus or anything, but it does have this mm-hmm. one line about running through the six with my woes that became a catchphrase and it sort of, you know, it, it, it transcended radio and it transcended, you know, uh, any sort of pop concerns. And to, to a lot of people, that song was just as impactful as Hotline Bling was. Uh, but, you know, it, it just sort of shows the two sides of him that he was able to have these songs that kind of, you know, that they're, they're big enough that they're getting parody on SNL, but right. also have these songs that, you know, you play it, you play it at a music festival and you have 20,000 people singing along with the chorus. And then it, it's, uh, it, it sort of shows the dichotomy of Drake there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from a programming standpoint, as I'm a program director for our R&B radio station and I, I can see, you know, what other stations the songs are played on. And you know that you've had a song that's crossed over when you're on R&B radio, Urban AC, you're on pop radio to, to best variety. And also you're on the hip hop station. You know, you crossed over when you're on all those. Yeah, so Drake and Drake did that multiple times. Yeah, uh, constantly throughout the decade, and 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 as consistently at the end of it as he did at the beginning of it, which is tough to do because there's so many different eras in hip hop that he kind of overlapped in those periods. Very true, very true. And so, admittedly, you know, I'm not necessarily I am a song guy since I'm a radio guy, but mm-hmm. more generally, I am a album guy. And Drake delivers there too, obviously. Like I yeah. said, thank me later, take care. Uh, if, you're, if you're reading this, is too late. He has views. He has Scorpion. Uh, nothing was the same. So if I were to ask you, what about albums? You know, I know obviously those chart well for Drake as well. Another reason why he's artist of the decade, but let's talk about albums. Now, my personal favorite uh, is nothing was the same. That's my personal one that I go to still listen to it. Like it just came out yesterday, even though it was almost a decade ago, uh, 2013, it came out. But in terms of albums, you know, what, what, which albums stand out to you? And, you know, kind of leading to Drake being, you know, the guy to look back to in the 2010s. Sure. Yeah. No, uh, nothing's the same as my, as my go-to, too. Uh, I, I think it's a, I mean, he doesn't really have, I don't think, a perfect album necessarily, Drake, but I think that's the closest. I think that's the one that most kind of knocks out a vibe that just kind of kind of hits throughout the entire album. You know, there, there are some big singles on that record, too. There's, you know, Start From The Bottom. There's Hold On, Going Home. Those are massive songs, but they don't really break the mood of the album, which is the sort of tranquil, late night kind of, like uh, I'm up three hours later than I should be. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking thoughts that I wish I wasn't thinking right now. It, 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 it's got that sort of vibe down just, just to a T, which is really impressive. Uh, and uh, I'd also go to bat for what a time to be alive, which wasn't necessarily 
his most claimed album. It, it, it was a big hit, but it, it, it was sort of, it kind of came out of nowhere, this, this collab album that he had with Future and Metro Boomin, uh, that it, it didn't seem necessarily like it was something they put a, a ton of time into. I think it was recorded over sort of like one very productive couple-week period. But if you're looking for an album that sort of captures that, that that's that that's sort of you know, it really encapsulates well in the title. Though what a time to be alive, the era where it's, it's sort of this sort of boom time in the culture uh, right before sort of you know, you know right before Trump was elected and right before sort of uh, you know things in the world took a, a turn for the more serious and and, yeah. and sort of the, uh, the the general mood of the country took a took a significant downturn. Uh, Things are sort of riding high in the mid tens for for Drake in particular and for Future in particular, and that album just has that sort of celebratory vibe where it's yeah you know going from club to club, popping bottles, doing right. whatever they want, and and they, they again it's a, it's a very different mood than nothing was the same, but they they, they capture it just as well. And I also go to Bat for Scorpion, which was you know to date his most recent album since uh, the Certified Lover Boy this album was supposed to come out last year, it's been pushed mm-hmm. back you know fifteen times already, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, Scorpion, you know, it, it got kind of a bad rap. It's, it's a little, it's a, it's a very long album, it's a double album. People called it bloated. People said he was trying to take advantage of, you know, you know, streaming rules on the charts where yeah, you, you chart better if you have more songs on your album. Uh, I think it's actually a really good album. I think the, the quality is pretty consistent throughout. I think he takes some really interesting chances on it. And he had three number one singles off of it, uh, all of which I think are awesome. None of which sound anything like each other. And, and God's plan, uh, in my feelings, and, uh, and nice for what. And I think those are three of his best singles of the last uh, last half decade. And uh, it really, it really supports the album, but but again, there's some weird stuff on there. There's there's Mariah Carey samples. There's <laughs> Jay Z verses over over DJ Paul productions. Like it, 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 it takes a lot of chances, and I think it works most of the time. I think that's that's the album that uh, I hope uh, maybe gets a little a little bit kinder view in retrospect than it got at the time. Yeah, and I know we got Dave Brooks, who's also from Billboard. He's going to be joining us here in just moments. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into what Drake meant to the 2010s. But I'm really glad you alluded to certified lover boy and he had the dark demo tapes that came out earlier this year the dark lane demo tapes now in my personal opinion dark lane demo tapes is not a great way to start off 2020 it kind of mm-hmm. in my opinion loses a little bit of steam so i, I was gonna ask you know with certified lover boy i i think is dropping here in 2021 we'll see i'll won't won't hold my breath um <laughs> but you know how does he continue this you know obviously you know, the times are changing, music is changing, and J. Cole just dropped his new album, that the off-season, that is bringing really successful already. So how does Drake continue this? Does he does he stay, does he stick to who he is, or does he try new things? What do you think he needs to do in order to stay on the charts and keep this rain going? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dark Lane Demo Tapes, he maybe gets a little bit of a pass for that. That that wasn't like a proper, proper album. It was you know kind of considered like a... I don't know, a collection of, of, you know, almost like a B-side collection. I don't, I don't know how exactly what the designation is. He, he always comes up for different names for his albums or mixtapes <laughs> or their playlists or, you know, whatever he is. But uh, in, in terms of him succeeding through the 2020s, look, you never want to bet against Drake. Uh, that, that would be a bad bet for the last 12 years. And even now, as it does seem like he's kind of going through a commercial lull to a certain extent, uh, he just, debuted the top three songs on the chart in the same week uh, a couple of months ago. Like he, he, he debuted three songs. And they, debut, they they hit number one, number two, and number three on the Hot 100. So that that had never been done before. You know, all debuts in one week. That 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 sort of and none of those songs have really caught on the same way that those other the Scorpion number ones that I mentioned caught on. Like those those were number ones that lasted multiple weeks. They had huge videos. They were big on radio. They were big on Twitter. Like the, those were really cultural hits as well as chart hits. Uh, the most recent three songs, and, and you could also go back to Two C Slide last year, which. 
debuted at number one, but didn't really hang around the way he probably wanted it to afterwards. None of those songs really have the same sort of forward momentum. But again, like a flop for Drake is a massive success for anybody else. And he, he's still putting up numbers that nobody else can quite compete with outside of, you know, Taylor Swift or, you know, Adele when she comes back. Uh, and the, the fact that, you know, we're, we're looking at this as maybe being the beginning of the end for Drake. I mean, and, and anybody else would be happy to have the, the, the beginning of the 2020s he's had so far. As for what he needs to do to kind of stay at that level, it's tough to say. I mean, one of the things that, that's kind of been a hallmark of Drake since his debut is that he never really has stayed in one place for very long. He's always mm-hmm. kind of found the, the, the cool new producers to work with. As, as I mentioned, he's found the, the cool new up-and-comers to kind of you know ride their coattails a little bit or vice versa. He, he, he's kind of given and taken uh, from, from the younger generation as, as needed to sort of help his own purposes without totally being a vampire to the culture. Uh, and, and he's managed to do that really impressively to the point where he doesn't feel any, or at least to, to this point, he hasn't felt any, any more out of step, uh, with what the, you know, the younger kids are doing or what the, you know, the, the, the cool new artists are doing, uh, than, than he ever has. Uh, but it, it's, it's going to be, you know, the, the, the next year or two could be kind of an inflection point for him. And, and if this album keeps getting delayed and people keep wondering, you know, what, what the deal is, I mean, Look, people were saying that about Travis Scott's Astro World too. That album was supposed to come out mm-hmm. I think in like 2016. It didn't come out until 2018. Mm-hmm. People kept wondering, well, what was the deal? Why did they keep pushing this album back? Then it came out, and it was one of the biggest hits of the entire decade. So the same could happen with Certified Lover Boy. Maybe he's just taking the time to get the formula right. Maybe he's figuring out what works and what doesn't. I I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll see it sometime this year. <laughs> that pop music is a more interesting place with Drake in it. Uh, but you know, it, it does remain to be seen. But again, if you're a betting man, always bet the over with Drake. Never bet the under. Absolutely, 100% agree. Andrew Utnerberger of Billboard joining us here, the deputy editor of Billboard. Pre- really appreciate you for coming on, talking a little Drake, Artist of the Decade. Absolutely great stuff. Any any words uh, for Dave Brooks that we got coming up? No, man, look, look forward to hearing from him. I, I, uh, I know he, he's, he's the live guy, and uh, Drake's... Uh... He's been a he's been a steady live presence too the last decade. I just got to see him headlining at a couple festivals over over the course of the 2010s. Uh, great great every time out. Uh, you know all, always brings the energy, always brings the hits. So I look look forward to hearing Dave's analysis too. Absolutely yes, concerts are coming back, so we definitely got to dig into the live concerts. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me, DC. Have a good one. So we got Dave Brooks now from Billboard joining us here on the Music Vibes podcast. We just got in talking with Andrew Utnerberger. Talking about you know Drake and why he was named the artist of the decade, and the charts are a big, big reason why, and another reason why Drake has been named the artist of the decade. If you're like me and have never got the chance to see Drake live in concert, we got someone that has and knows exactly why he is named artist of the decade. Dave Brooks here talking Drake, yeah, artist of the decade. What's going on, Dave? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, man. Um, you know, the funny thing about Drake's live shows, you know. Um, is like you know, their simplicity, right? And I, and I really think that's what makes him one of the the top performers. Um, you know, I think people uh, people kind of overestimate the power of um, you know having some you know having a full um, band on stage, just having a lot of different elements of the live show. You know, you know Drake shows have always been you know mostly just him by himself on the stage. You know, besides like bringing up some guests. Um, you know, um, you know, he usually is just kind of doing rather his own thing, usually over over his own kind of instrumental tracks, and people love it. They they come because they you know uh, they want to see him, they want to they want to hear their favorite songs, you know, and they want to have like a party with with their friends. And so, 
that's what you're going to get. You know, you're not, not going to get, um, you know, like a live band jamming out on, um, you know, a track or extended version of any one of the songs. I mean, he's cutting every single song he can into the show. And um, if you're a Drake fan, it's a good time. Absolutely. I'm a huge Drake fan. So the next time I get a chance to, you know, that's one thing that I took from 2020 that, you know, I'm, re- I'm really going to take the rest of my life is, you know, obviously we have chances to go to concerts. There's, you know, there's comp tickets that are offered to us in interviews and things like that. There's other tickets that you buy on your own and whatever, whatever. And there's just so many times in our business, of course, and I'm sure you do this as well, where you're offered tickets and you choose not to go. And, yep. you know, you already got something that comes up. You got a family event. We both got kids. We know how it is. So things come up. Things happen. You don't go. One thing from 2020 that I took away is, man, I really will never take my concerts for granted again. So if Drake is around me or in my area, I'm making it happen. So I've heard some great things and you just tease me even more. You never you, know, you always remember the shows you went to. You never remember really like the moments where you were doing when you said no, right? <laughs> those, those those don't really kind of sit in the brain. The, the awesome live moments, man, those are the ones we carry with us. So I, I hear you. And I'm the same way. It's easy to say no, but you got to, once you go, I, I've never regretted it, you know, um, <laughs> rallying my, myself and whoever else I need to hit, get outside and go see some music. Yeah, no, you've been trying to get me to come out to Cali for about three years now since you've been coming yeah, on. Yeah, you got to come, man. You know, well, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm trying. I'm trying. My birthday is coming up in August, so that's what I'm working towards right now. I'm grinding every day, man. I'm trying to make Good. it out. I'm trying to make it out there. Yeah. So, yeah, so like you personally, and I, I know we dig into a lot of music on here, and I just kind of want to get your personal taste on Drake. So, obviously you wouldn't agree to come on. I said this to Andrew earlier. You're not going to come on unless you absolutely love him or absolutely hate him. So I'm sure you've already said you love him. So let's kind of dig into some of the music. I mean, when, when you guys came up with this and I know you weren't exactly part of it, like firsthand on, but coming up with Drake as the artist of the decade, what was your first thought? And obviously like, you know, did, did it take you back and just kind of look back at the 2010s with Drake? You know, I, I wasn't, you know, I really, I've evolved with Drake. I wouldn't say I um, hated him, but I was not a fan for the longest time because I didn't get it, you know? Um, <laughs> and I just, like, I just thought, like, what the hell is this, you know? Um, <laughs> why, why are people, why is this guy from Degrassi, like, now this, this rapper? Um, you know, and then I, I saw him play, you know, at Coachella, uh, which, which was, you know, probably the third time maybe a hip-hop artist has headlined. Like Kanye and Jay-Z have headlined before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was blown away, you know, not only by, um, not only by, you know, his live music, I mean, his set, but just by, like, the fans, you know. Um, by, by, you know, people, like, everybody there was there for Drake, right? I had no idea if he, you know, I was thinking, I wonder if anybody could even go to see his set. Now, everyone was there, they had, you know, somebody pulled out a sign and just a grassy chair and a wheelchair was holding it up. And, like, <laughs> people went full out for him. And uh, it was a really good show. You know, and, you know, and I will say, like, the show, like I was kind of hinting at earlier, the show, I think there's some controversy between music fans, between kind of the more core folks. And I think they would include you and me normally who are like, we want to see a live show with like, all the elements happening, <laughs> improvisation. Right, uh, you know, it's performing his instruments. That that's like not his show, mm-hmm. but he's really good at what he does. And it doesn't. I don't. To me, it does not take away from 
his performance and like his ability to you know feed off the energy of the audience. It's a lot harder to do than a lot of people think, and he does amazing at it. That's probably why we haven't seen him do too many streams because I don't, I don't know, you know, I mean, he's, um, it's just kind of hard to do that um, without, you know, you're just looking into a phone or a camera as opposed to, you know, an audience feeding back the energy. And that's tough. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of look back, you know, at, at the shows and obviously, yeah, like you said, Drake's not going to pick up a guitar during a live performance and, you know, blow your mind away with a Jimi Hendrix solo or anything like that. Like if you're showing, if you're showing up expecting that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you're going to be a little bit underwhelmed. Um, but I have heard a lot of buzz about his concert. So you've been to, you've been to some just kind of I mean, t- tell us about the buzz before the show. I mean, it's kind of a behind the curtain look at, you know, exactly how fans approach, you know, going to him. And then I know you're getting the numbers and everything, you know, coming in and how he sells out. But just yeah. what's, what's the behind the scenes look at Drake at live shows? Well, you know, well, um, you know, I would say it's always. It's a lot of couples and friend groups, right? A lot younger, very diverse too, you know, all um, different age groups. And, you know, people are just really having a good time. Um, hey, let me just pause it. Sorry, was my son. Sorry, let me just pause it quick and just fix my TV. Okay. Sorry, man. Um, here, my son. Okay, and I'll go back into the answer. Is it okay if I start from the top of that question? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, sorry. All right. Um, okay, so, you know, so, you know, behind the scenes at the shows, you know, I, I think you get there, the shows, you know, the sets calling always start a little bit earlier than the typical shows, which means a lot of time, right? <laughs> and there's just like a lot of energy and buzz in the audience. It's a lot of young people, a lot of couples, and a lot of like groups of friends, like, you know, like two to four people. And um, I think people, people are out to like party. The women are out to... Um, you know, look good and like you know, um, they're all they're all like showing up in their best for Drake, right? I mean, <laughs> if you're a single guy, man, that is a place to be, you know. Um, so in the shows, you know, so um, his shows have really kind of evolved a lot. Um, you know, he went from um, on the tour he did with Future, you know, that was kind of we call like an end stage setup, right? Where he was, um, where he was basically on one end of the, you know, basically the, the arena is kind of, you know. Uh, you know, everyone looks in the same direction, right to the one end of the arena where normally, you know, the home team basket would be in. And, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you kind of oriented that direction. So, But when he was touring around um, Scorpion album, he did a 360 stage, and it was really cool. So basically, mm. you know, he's on the, he's on the floor, right, um, during the, um, the show. So everybody's looking at him on the floor from all directions. And he had this really, he had this incredible stage that was, that was, you realize after the set got going that was like basically kind of a an shape like an iPhone, and so it would turn on and he was and it was all programmed you know mm-hmm. to, to correspond with the different songs and the music so you see the visuals and people text you know each one telling a story. The stories are pretty funny you know everything from like a guy getting caught like uh, sneaking around with his girlfriend to like you know um, friends like you know another guy like you know some girls basically like you know. Uh, t- blowing this guy's phone up because she like, wants him to come over, um, and you know, I mean, it's just like there's there's a lot. Um, while there's like I said, like it's the music side is stripped down. There's a lot of like imagery and um, there's a lot of um, you know symbolism and, and and things in the shows that you have to be paying attention to catch, mm-hmm. you know. And, and um, so it's a very visual show, and and the, I, I've never seen somebody um, use so many different crazy visual elements. I mean, I, I, 
I, he really he really kind of relies on stage production, but in a very creative and artistic way. It's not like you know an old Iron Maiden show where at the end they have a um, giant like you know dragon or robot come <laughs> out and, and issue flames from the audience. <laughs> or Kiss, I've seen Kiss. Yeah, a or Kiss, of, right? Or, yeah, or you know, pyrotechnics. There's so many bands that do that, right? I, I, usually, I, honestly, I kind of think sometimes bands do that because it. Um, they're kind of they're kind of hiding behind it a little bit, maybe. You know, they're kind of covering up um, some, some problems with the show or some weak moments. But mm-hmm. but um, no, I, I think this it's part of the show. It's almost like his 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 um his, his stage team, his audio vision team. It, it's kind of like a member of the group. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Everyone that I know that's went to a Drake show, they all and this is not a joke. They've all said that that's the best show that they've been to. So. Definitely had to start there. So I, I guess let's let's talk about what's any Drake resonate with you going back on the past decade in terms of the music. Yeah, well, you know, um, for me, I think you know the Scorpion album was probably one of the first that I really liked. You know, end to end. Um, I just thought it was essentially, you know, I just thought it was like a, you know, it was, it was every song is kind of just pushing the you know the music forward and. It also has this like kind of uh, dark sexiness, I guess you'd say, to it, or you know, kind of like this, you know, this alter ego vibe. Mm-hmm. That, that was really awesome, you know. Um, <laughs> I think that like you know, um, nothing was the same. Is probably you know the breakout album that really got me uh, into Drake, and then I also I'm still I still listen to More Life all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love that album, and uh, I you know I just play it probably every day how about you what's your favorite album or which what are you thinking like what's your drake moment yeah uh, for so andrew and i were talking about this earlier we both both of our albums that where we knew that i mean our personal favorites was nothing was the same so we're pretty much in agreement there uh but i also mentioned take care as well um take Uh care in my opinion was his breakthrough um where i believe where he started to cross over i mean some big hits and then charts too. I mean, he had big hits on there. Uh, I know headlines was one of his big ones. He had "Take Care," the self-titled song with Rihanna. Um, he had "The Real Her" with Andre Three Thousand and Lil Wayne. Um, I think that one. It, it, it's you know when you look back on it, I think it all comes down to where you were at this time. And now for me, it was two two thousand eleven and November of two thousand eleven. That's the year I turned twenty one. Man, now I'm, I'm all uh-huh. I'm all in the clubs, man. So. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's all for me. Listening to Drake going to the club. So take care resonates with me as well. Um, and you also I think you can't you can't look back without talking. What a time to be alive. I, I'm yeah. pers- I personally wasn't a huge fan of it after the first time I heard it. I love future. Um, but the first time I heard what a time to be alive, I was like, man, that was really underwhelming. Like when you first hear Drake and future, you know, partnering up for an album. For a joint album, it's like you. I the first time I listened to it, I expect a little bit more, but I think that one resonated a little bit over time. So I don't think you can talk last decade without talking what a time to be alive either. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, what, what do you what, what do you what, of his of his latest albums? You know, especially everything after you know twenty fifteen. What do you think? You know, what what what's your go to? You know. Um, and I forgot to mention views is also to me one of uh absolutely my, I love it. I, I mean I, yeah, I I definitely kinda of am more now into his later stuff than um you know, some some of the albums um 
some of his earlier albums, which, but you know, he's definitely gotten kind of harder, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think in, at least in his kind of attitude. I mean, what what do you what, what's your, in the last you know five years or so? What's your go to? Yeah, I think, and we were talking about this too with uh, with Andrew as you know, kind of looking ahead to the twenty twenties. I think he's kind of off to a slow start in a personal opinion of mine. I, I think Dark Lane demo tapes was very underwhelming uh, way to kind of take over and kind of look ahead to the next decade. But I wasn't a biggest fan of Scorpion as you were. Um, I didn't, I, I, it didn't resonate with me. There were a couple songs on it that I enjoyed, obviously starting with God's plan. I mean, that song right there, we, we got to talk that too. I mean, God's plan, the video too. Um, that That's definitely a monumental song as he's literally walking around a town yeah. in Florida and giving you know people money and you can tell on their faces that they're not none of them are expecting it. at first they're just like holy shit that's drake and then all of a sudden he's handing them he's handing them all a stack of money and he's going to grocery stores paying people's groceries and i mean that that song is monumental as well you can't talk 2010s without talking god's plan nice for what too um that lauren hill sample in that i'm a big sample guy yeah so that's that lauren hill sample song. is fire so yeah uh in my feelings we can't we can't uh, summarize the last decade yeah. without talking the in my feelings challenge that's right i mean that, that was kind of the original <laughs> one of the first you know, before they in my feelings people were just dumping ice water on their head right <laughs> yeah every, everyone's uh well everyone's getting out the cars the, the moving cars and uh yeah you know talking about kiki do you love me dancing while the car's uh driving in motion um that that was crazy too and that those are all on the same album not to mention he got Michael Jackson's voice on his album on Scorpion yeah. as well. So on Don't Matter to Me. So you get Michael Jackson's voice in your album, you know you're doing big things. But overall, though, that album didn't really do much for me. The album that has over the last five years or so. So I, I have two. So to start with one, More Life, I, that was fire to me. I, I did yeah. love More Life. Um, You got Passion Fruit on there, a nice vibey song. Uh, You also got Portland with Quavo and Travis Scott. Got sacrifices with two chains, young thug, teenage fever. I mean, there's so much. Do not disturb ends the album. More life in 2017 was big for me, and also wasn't necessarily an album, but like kind of like lost tracks that he released, songs that he did in the early 2010s or maybe even 2009 around that time. But he released something called Care Package that yeah, was pretty much right. tracks from the early days. That was absolutely. That was like time traveling, man. That was, I really enjoyed that as well. So Drake is still he's still he's still moving the needle, man. There's two arenas in LA, right? There's the Stable Center and the Forum, and they're um, real, you know, they're bitter kind of rivals. He's the first time I've ever seen somebody play both arenas on a tour, right? One right after the other, right? Um, he played three nights at both for six shows, which itself is insane. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, right? And uh, but it was funny because it was kind of like a chance to um, have um, an apples to apples comparison of like, okay, which um, arena brings it harder, you know? And it was mm-hmm. funny because we we comp- and so we you know we we can comp- I compared them uh, you know um, both shows and ultimately we decided to kind of base it on money that you know Drake could bring home and and because of the way the Sable Center is designed. They have more kind of premium sections, and so that bo- that boosted up the um, the overall ticket sales by not a ton, but just enough to push it past you know the forum, which is more of an intimate um, um, you know arena with no with no um, you know 
stage, I'm sorry, no sky boxes or suites, right? And so the forum <laughs> saw that and they hit back right away. They're like, we had the better show, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, we had the better show. It was more intimate. And Drake said he liked this venue more than, you know, the disabled center. The disabled center people came back and he said, yeah, but last time he was here, he said the disabled center was better. And like, it started off this huge fight, just back and forth, back and forth. By the time it was over, man, I was just like, God, I should never have started this thing because it's just never going to end now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know if how, how many times have you got to see Drake since 2010? I've seen him four times. Wow. Do you, so do you by saw, chance remember the, the years? Yeah, they, yeah, they were all. Uh, it was um, so it was. I saw him play Coachella, which was um, I want to say 2013, and then I saw you know, and then um, th- those shows um, um. The shows um, at both LA and um, shows at the local sales center and the forum were 2017, and I saw them at Madison wow. Garden when I was in New York, and that was right after um, Scorsese came out, and that was 2018. Wow, I'm so jealous. Oh, I'm so, so jealous. it was uh, it was so it was a great show. Um, the the Madison Garden was by far my favorite one. Yeah, um, see, I've never uh, I've never been to Madison Square, so. Um, or World, West World's famous arena, world's most famous arena. Yeah, man, I got to travel a little bit. I think we think you were making fun of me about that last time. I still, I've been, I've been South. I got, I, I did take a trip South recently. So I did Where'd get to go? get down. I went to Tennessee and Florida. So I oh, got nice. to, I got to go to, I got to go South and I need to go East and West. I need to, I need yeah, to, I need to yeah. hit LA and I need to hit New York city. So yeah, man, good stuff. So the live shows, and I'm, I, I, I imagine they all sell out, right? Every show you've been to, I'm sure they're sold out. Every show sold out. Yeah, I'm for sure. Last, for the last, you know, um, you know, five years, I mean, he sells out everything. Um, you know, uh, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's, you know, for the longest time, the tickets were very like inexpensive. You know, they kind of started creeping up now into the hundred dollar mm-hmm. plus range. You know. Um, but that's, that's like kind of the new way of the world, you know, um, mm-hmm. the tickets are getting expensive, it's, you know, it, it's like, a, you know, it, it, uh, you know, it's, it's just been crazy how much the cost is going up. He's tried to keep his relatively, um, reasonably priced. And I think that's one of the reasons he does like, like multiple shows and, and any, uh, one city is a, they sell out faster because the lower price would be kind of help, helps them like kind of recover. I mean, he basically can make the money he could be making. He can be charging like double or triple, right? And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the, the, the sad thing about that is that sometimes the tickets end up in the hands of scalpers because it can mark them up so much because they're relatively inexpensive. But they're, they're trying to figure out ways to stop that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> no, only, only Drizzy should be making the money off of Drizzy. That's right. Drizzy Drake. Yeah, you mentioned concert tickets and how they're going up. Have you yeah. seen them right now? Like I, I just got, Kelly. I just got Machine Gun Kelly tickets for September. Those weren't too bad. I think I spent for me and my girl. I think it was a couple hundred. I think it was like two, three hundred almost. It's uh, a lot. I mean, yeah, it's uh, that's not bad compared to some of the other prices I've seen. Like I, I, I just yeah. I peaked at Usher's. I know Usher's touring. I peaked at his. I peaked at Bruno Mars because I want to see Leave the Door Open in person. I just, I just do. Um, so amazing song. yeah, th- those tickets are at least three, $400 just to be in the door. So, uh, not happening. Yeah. Um, but now is that, is that, is that, is that like straight from, 
the Ticketmaster sites and the artists, or is that like uh, StubHub and resellers? Yeah, those are that's from straight from Ticketmaster. Damn, that's that's so. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy, but I can't. You know, it's really crazy. Um, and and I, I'm kind of, you know, I I, I love Bruno Mars. Um, you know, and uh, I've never seen Usher play, but he's a great performer. But like, you know, it's like I don't it's like these these artists like don't try to like make up the money you you didn't make last year right. by charging more this year. Right. You know, um, I think it's kind of you know I think it's a you know, besides like you know besides the fact that it's so expensive. Um, and, and we're all coming out of a kind of a tough time. Um, you know, it's like if, if, when you pay that 300, 400 bucks for one ticket, that means you're not, being, that means you're not going to be able to, uh, basically, you know, go see another show, right? Because right. money's locked up in that show. So, um, you know, people, he, they're probably thinking, man, all the stimulus checks just landed in people's mailboxes. Let's, let's get the show dates out now, right? And it's like, um, I get that, but, um, I mean, I, I just, I think the prices on some of these shows are mm-hmm. just way too high, and it's going to hurt in the long run. You know, I think so too. They're going to be upset. They're going to be, ups- be upset when they go out to perform, and there's like 40, 50 people there because they're the only ones that wanted to pay three, four hundred dollars yeah. for a concert ticket, and they couldn't bring anyone because nobody else had money to <laughs> to get any tickets. So, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. man, that moment's coming. You know, I mean, I think once you get you see these really fat, big shows. The tours wrap. It's gonna be. It's, you know, there's just only so much money. Mm-hmm. You know, in any one city for concerts. You know. Um, yeah. And uh, but and I also really though I blame the scalpers a lot for this as well. Yep. You know Same. because they not only um, like you know I mean it's always like you know the scalp you always hear um, about these scalpers and like some hub people that are just saying hey you know it's a market like we're we're just following the free market we're um, we're just, you know people want these tickets and. Um, we're just providing them a service, but it's kind of like, no, you're not really providing anyone to the service. You're right. literally driving the prices of tickets up and making a living, kind <laughs> of by being like a constant middleman that nobody wants. Right, right. You know, and 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 I, and I think the artists that like look at this and they're like, well, well if he's going to charge, you know, three hundred dollars for my seventy nine dollar ticket, why don't I just charge that much? And exactly. It's just a race to the bottom. I agree, man. But Drake is definitely one that I want to see when you know shows are being announced again. I did, I, I do see my favorite rapper Wiz Khalifa starting to announce some, so I'll be definitely out checking him out. And Drake, hopefully he's next. Hopefully we're speaking it to existence right now, so I can check him out. But Dave, man, I really appreciate you coming on and talking a lot about Drake this past decade and looking back, artist of the decade, man. That's crazy. Now before I let you go, though, I know you guys are hard working at Billboard, and I know. There's not a whole lot of live shows to cover, but I think you're going to get a little bit busier coming up as summer approaches. But tell us what you got going on at Billboard. Well, right, you know, so obviously we're covering, I mean, you know, everything is kind of constantly covering the recovery. Shows are coming back, you know. Um, You know, it's just getting, things are starting sooner and sooner and sooner, right? So I'm kind of planning out what I want to do Mm -hmm. this summer. You know, um, we saw um, definitely going to be at Bottle Rock Festival, which is kind of one of the first... um, Nice festivals to sell out, right? And that's going to be uh, Guns N' Roses, Foo Fighters, and Stevie wow. Nicks. And then you know, um, and then I saw some. You know, I haven't decided yet, but Lollapalooza, um, you know, it, it went back, went on sale, and did pretty well. And, and it almost, you know, that in, in Billy Eilish, I think he's playing that. Billy Eilish, um, you know, um, Tyler the Creator. I'm, 
Megan, uh, Megan Stallion. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really doing this just to name off all these bands here, but it's almost the exact same lineup as um, Austin City Limits, which makes sense because it's the same company and the same people booking it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know um, what I like about Austin City Limits is that they had they opened with a set by um, George Strait, the mm-hmm. longtime kind of cowboy country man, and to me that's cool. He's a Texas guy. Um, you know, he, he, to see him at a multi-genre festival, I would love that. I'm a big country music fan too, so mm. I thought that was a cool thing to do. These all people from Austin, right? Yeah. Um, so, and then other than that, you know, we're just trying to, um, we're just trying to keep going, keep the, keep the lights on. You know, it's, it's, it's tough um, mm. for any pop magazine right now, and uh, you know, it's not. We're um, we've had to do some downsizing, but we're we're you know we're doing good. We're still surviving, so. You know, it's it's a good time for us, even though we've got to cut back a little bit. Yeah, that's good. You guys still seem to be busy, so I, I like I like looking at what you guys got working on, and I I just have to. I wasn't a big fan of Lollapalooza's lineup. I I, yeah. I personally was not. Uh, I wanted to shout out Jess Skolnick. Uh, she's the senior editor of Bandcamp. She had a very fantastic tweet that summarized Lollapalooza's lineup, and uh-huh. she said the Lollapalooza lineup looks like every PR person who focuses on mainstream or mainstream hopeful artists. And they threw names of all the artists they work with into a hat and they were picked at random. <laughs> Ouch. I was like, Whoa, Whoa, uh, kind of spot on, but it's still, it's like, Whoa. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give yeah. her, wanted to give her a shout. I know you're not on Twitter anymore. So I gotta, I gotta fill you in on these things. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> well, um, that's what, that, you know, I mean, so, I get what she's saying, and she's not wrong. You know, I always have, I always kind of uh, have a special little spot in my heart for the bookers, though, because I know how hard it is. You know, mm-hmm. I've booked, I've booked artists for media appearances, and you know, man, it's like, you know, it's like it's so tough to get to get people to play, and you know, everybody wants, everybody wants everything. They, everybody, all the artists, they are. I mean, there's so much that you just you're, you're in a tough position. Even if you're Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. like there's so much competition for artists. They want everything, and you know, uh, one of the things about this year was that a lot of artists um, weren't planning to go on tour because they thought the the, the, the you know the shutdown, the lockdown was going to last a little bit longer than it ended up lasting. As people made plans, you know, Chili Peppers were, were recording an album, right? Um, Mm-hmm. You know, Dave Matthews is up. You know he's doing all these shows in the Gorge. He kind of locked that down, so he's not available. There's not as many people available, you know, as um, you know, as you would think in any one year. You know, Anderson Park, another guy who was like mm-hmm. in the studio uh, during the, the fall. So I get a little sympathy for 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 the Lawless folks, um, but but I can't. But you know, like I said, I could. No, no, nobody really stood out to me, um, and and you know I was just kind of like slept slept all slept on it a bunch. That's right. We're waiting on Drake. That's what we're doing. Drake named Artist of the yeah. Decade by Billboard. We thank Andrew Utnerberger and Dave Brooks for coming on today to talk and reflect on the decade that was, and Drake being named Artist of the Decade. Billboard Music Awards coming up on. Uh, I think it's is it right. Sunday? Yep. Wow, you you all geared up for it? Any any spoilers? You, they don't tell me anything. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to be helping our, our our interactive team from from home. Um, okay. You know, um, so um, but in terms of like you know, who's who's going to win, or even like kind of some of the performance size, it, that stuff that is so secret. 
Um, <laughs> you know, you, if you could ever would be caught like leaking any of that out, even to like another, even if the CEO of the company, man, you would wow. be on the blacklist of blacklists. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so secret, um, you know. Um, but um, but they've done really well with that, so yes. um, they want to keep it going. Yes, absolutely. Be on the lookout for that, the Billboard Music Awards. Dave, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was great catching up with you. When I get out to Cali, man, I'm hitting you up, so answer the phone. You got it. You got it, DC. Sounds good, man. Time Travel with DC Hendrix on the Music Vibes Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify on your mobile device. Podcasts by Federated Media.